I'm fascinated by something. Have you ever uh, studied something or learned something or lived by a policy of some kind and only to realize that it was it was all false? You know I have, of okay. course. That's right. Of course. Yeah, I'm you're in California, surrounded by you know, a certain <laughs> party. Of course. Yes. Uh, but look, uh, let's let's talk in, in anecdotes. Uh, I know a um, a friend of mine from fourth grade, a girl. Um, you know, she and I were, you know, uh, we held hands, and it was one of those kind of innocent uh, flirtations and such like that. But we were always good friends. And it turns out that she had come to Connecticut uh, because, you know, as she had learned, her mother had helped you know, escaped from a very abusive father somewhere in Europe. And it was just awful. And the mother was now living with them in safety and everything was great. And uh, that, was her, that was her life. She discovered when, I think in her early 30s, that uh, because she started piecing some things that didn't make sense to her, and she decided to go visit that father in Europe. And she did visit and only discovered that it was exactly the reverse. The mother had actually kidnapped the girls. She was the kidnapper in all those milk carton things and, and such like you, you, that you see. He had full custody of them. She, the mother was crazy, and she had lived this life this entire time. Well, you can just imagine what this did to this, uh, this friend of mine, this, this girl, not girlfriend, but girlfriend. Um, and it just destroyed her life. She just was, it, it totally upside, turned everything upside down for her. She reconnected with her father, of course. They had a new relationship, but think about all the years lost and how angry she was at her mother. She totally separated from her mom, didn't want to speak to her ever again. The whole, all the tables were flipped in the process. Uh, let this be a lesson, by the way. If you if you're ever think of divorcing or separating, please, for the sake of the children, speak nicely of the other parent uh, just be good, okay? You don't have to get along with the other parent. You may not respect the other parent, but only speak the nicest words about the other parent for the sake of the children. It is child abuse otherwise. Now, there may be exceptions, of course. If, if that father was uh, doing horrible things to uh, your children, uh, abusing them and, God forbid, sexually molesting them, okay, then... You don't have to say anything nice about that, that uh, father. And likewise, a mother could also be equally evil. She could be trying to drug the kids or something like that. But be nice. Okay? And for the, the, the vast majority of parents out there that are divorcing, try to get along for the sake of the children. Uh, if, if, you, if you must get divorced, then at the very least, speak well of the other parent and try to be supportive of the decisions that that other parent is, is uh, supporting. Anyway, back to the main mission, which is, the fury that she experienced. And, and this goes, you know, to, to your political beliefs, Ari, that you had. And, and, but forget about the political beliefs for the time being. Think of another story that, that may have, you know, you discovered. O.J. O.J. is okay. a perfect example. Good. Nicest guy ever, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you find out in the years leading up to the um, major incident that occurred a few blocks from here, uh, the police were called several times and did nothing and covered it up because they were all working together to maintain the nicest guy ever image that this guy had. Yeah. And then a certain thing happens, uh, a bridge too far incident, cutting off his ex-wife's head, and uh, suddenly you can't conceal that he's not the nicest guy on earth. Yeah. And a lot of people 
are horrified by this, still dealing with this. Well, imagine and, and I from, from the perspective them, of the children, right? The, now who are grown up, of course. Oh, of course. But I'm talking. It's it's a there's a macro and a micro here. The micro is a more intimate, a stronger issue, the family and the children and all that. But as a macro issue, it's a cultural issue, and it's an example of a lot of the things I think you might be leading us towards in this. Is that a vast majority of people culturally believed a certain thing, and all of a sudden, reality ran headlong into a, a solid concrete block and blew up the car. That's right. It, it, as an example of that, people think their mind races to the example of finding out that the Earth is not the center of the solar system, and uh, quite the contrary, the sun is, and we are revolving around the sun, along with uh, uh, seven or eight other planets, depending on who you speak to. And, uh, you know, that's very uh, minimizing, and that must have been a shock, a terrible shock to the community at large, and especially those simplistic re religious people. That, that is what they perceive to be the shock to the system. Now, I'm sure it was kind of novel at the time, but I, by the way, it was not that much of a shock as people wanted to believe, because we have a bigger shock that happened within the past 50 years, 60 years. And I, I lived through it. And it was, it's, it's actually a far bigger shock than finding out that the Earth goes around the sun and night, night, vice versa. And that is the Big Bang. The discovery of the Big Bang, when you think about it, is enormously more significant than the, the, the fact that the Earth goes around the sun. That there's a beginning, that there may have been creator to this whole edifice uh, called, that we call the universe. That things are not static. I mean, that, that's a shock. And what do you do if you were one of these scientists that were so confirmed that the universe was static uh, and you've lived your entire life like that and then someone says, not so. I mean, it's, it's a binary thing. Either the universe was static or it was created. And, and then to believe, and then to understand, kicking and screaming usually, that the, the universe was created, uh, that was a shock. And that was a shock among the scientific community not among the religious community. Interesting, right? Yeah, but how much, and this is, I think, where the, the conversations that we're having takes an interesting place. Granted, that's like the biggest question ever, and it's proof of God, as you and I have basically discussed. But how much does it affect you in your day out, day of life if you're a normal person? Oh, find out OJ yeah, right. mm -hmm. is the movie star and the guy you were rooting for on the football field who you might have seen in Brentwood not being a nice guy, that affects you more. Finding out your mother is really the bad guy and your dad's been wronged and a nice guy, that affects you much more. Oh, it's got to totally so, destroy so you. So these things that affect your personal life, I think, are much bigger shocks. And I think that's where you might be leading us down to like global warming because people in their day-in-day-out life are making alterations and decisions in how they... Yeah, I, look, and, and yes, you did give away a little bit of the, uh, uh, the, the, um, the sizzle here. I'm okay with that. But I'm simply, another example that I'm thinking of is Lance Armstrong, for example. Everyone yeah, a huge one, yes. He was my idol, right? First of all, I'm, I'm a mountain biker, and I like biking on the road as well. And, so to, and I would follow the Tour de France and everything else. And I, I just so enjoyed it. And he was really a hero to me. And not only that, but we share the same birthday, just by coincidence, September 18. And um, testicular cancer and surviving. You don't all share that. that with him. No, I don't. Okay. 
uh, he, he, um, but you know, coming back, you know, from behind like that and he was suffering and to win it, what was it? Six or seven times in a row. Uh, really re- what a remarkable story. You want to believe that story and then you're, then it all comes crashing down. And look, and like you said, I'm not personally invested in it, but it, he was a hero to me. And I talked about this, this great man to my kids, you know, would, would Lance Armstrong do that? No, he never gave up. And only to find out that he's not that hero. Yeah. How do you untangle that for your kids? That's a major yeah. thing. Even though in the tangible sense, you don't know this person in real life and other things, you know, it's, it's, you're making, you now have to juggle the, the puzzle pieces of life to make things fit again. So, so we move now to the other issue. Now, let's say you are somebody that believes in global warming, that you're a big fan of it, big fan, right? And you've, you're a scientist even, and you're, you've gotten grants, you've written books about it, you may have a PhD in climatology or whatever they call it, and you are you know, going lecturing here and there, talking about the dangers of it, and unless we do something, and then you're, you're advocating and all sorts of empirical evidence that you believe is important for the, pl- the, the Paris Climate Accord uh, conference and such like that, and you get politically involved. And then one day, after, I don't know, decades, you discover, you know what? This is garbage. You, you discover, I mean, the whole scientific community for that matter, and it will come, this is the point, there will be coming a day where the whole climate change will, uh, garbage will be seen for exactly that, that it is garbage. And we'll look back on it and say, what were we thinking? And it, the edifice has to come down. And it, it should have come down a long time ago already with the, the, the lack of the increasing temperature. And every time, every time the, the evidence comes back at them that, is, that negates their beliefs, they, they find an excuse for it. Yeah, you know. or whenever evidence shows up of the frauds being committed in its name, whether it was the IPC climate gate scandal of 2009, whether it's the new one with Australia falsifying temperature data yes. today. I mean, these are people are committing fraud. Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's and outright fraud. And, and to say nothing of you know, there's indirect fraud or let's say more subtle fraud where they encourage you to pursue a certain path. Um, while ignoring certain other bits of evidence, right? That's the, there's fraud of commission, there's fraud of omission, and they're doing both. Uh, and then, of course, the granting, the grants that, that are involved, you will get a grant if you uh, promote climate change. You won't get a grant if you, if you don't. So, of course, all the money flows there. Uh, and, and then, of course, you're in the pockets of the oil companies if you don't believe in climate change and so forth. Okay. So... I think there will be many intellectually honest scientists, climatologists, who will say at some point, boy, was I a fool. And, and they'll, they'll feel the rage that I, I was talking about with this, this girl uh, who, as a, a young woman, uh, suddenly realized what really was happening. And she was furious. And as, as a scientist, uh, that, that future scientist, when they realize how wrong they were, you've got to be angry. And I think it really screws up with the mind. There, there was a, uh, a long time, and, and there's another topic I want to talk about that's related to this, it's, and, and I might as well say it now, which is evolution. The same thing will happen with evolution. Pure evolution, it just cannot possibly explain everything. Can't. 
And, and that's the problem that the pro-evolutionists have, right? Because their answer to everything is survival of the fittest, survival of the fittest. And the third thing would be survival of the fittest, right? And it, it can't work. It can't explain things like beauty, things like humor. And, and that's esoteric stuff. I'm, and, and then wildly other things like that, we, that, that I explain more deeply in my book, Atheism Kills. You can't possibly explain the size of the, the capacity of the human brain, for example, through su survival of the fittest. You can't explain uh, the eye through survival of the fittest. There's a lot of things you can't explain. Uh, so putting that aside, it has to fall apart, um, but I'm going to get to that in a moment. Uh, in the 60s, I believe it was in the 60s, the, the Polish students in the universities discovered that much of what they had learned uh, about their history, Polish history in particular, and how the Soviets uh, had treated them was a total lie. They had, they had been told that the Soviet, the Russian army and everything, uh, had been kind to them, had liberated them, had uh, given them the freedom that they were so desperate to have, and, and elevated their lives, and, and they, they totally falsified the history. So can you imagine, as a student, you're getting PhDs in this, Totally false uh, news, right? Fake news, as it were, right? Everything about it is fake. And then you learn pretty easily that that history is not correct. Everything you've studied, wasted time. These people rioted. They, 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 that's how angry they were, and understandably so. So I, I wonder what's going to happen with this evolution business and the global warming business. Those are two things that you and I... We know it just—it's so clear as day that it cannot possibly survive the scrutiny of real science. Can't. Global warming—the evidence is already overwhelming against it. Evolution, cute theory, but the more facts we learn about reality on the ground, the more we ask the question: Well, how do you explain survival of the fittest on this on that issue? Everything is deterministic, right? It, everything has to have a reason for its existence, whether it's a humor, the, the free will, the, the sense of freedom that we have. Why is there so, much, so many distinctions between us on the one hand and animals on the other, right? Almost every distinction between us on the, on the one hand and animals on the other is a distinction you can't explain by way of survival of the fittest. How about that? For example, you... you I just I wrote I had this long list Ari that I'm, I'm making of the distinctions between humans on the one hand and animals on the other and it keeps on growing almost daily. You know what yesterday's was? It was we humans have an opinion. When was the last time you saw a, a cheetah having an opinion about anything, right? Or or has that we have values? We have a you know we have a sense of value. The family is very important and that uh, you have to teach them. Uh, uh, you know, a sense of right and wrong. Do you think cheetahs have that sense? Of course not. Elephants, any, any animal that you can think of. Yeah, national pride, cultural heritage. Yeah. No, no. nothing. There's, no, there's nothing like that. Thanks. There's another one, national pride. <laughs> um, the, the, all they have is a sense of the, the pride, as it were, the, the pack, if you want, whatever, whatever the grouping is usually named, a school. And that's only for self-protective purposes. That's, that's it. You know, their main mission is to eat, not to be eaten, and to mate. That's it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And defecate and sleep. That, that's just the process of, you know, right. peeing and all that stuff. But, yeah. but, but, they're, 
but what they think in their minds. I mean, you know, relieving themselves is is simply a, well, I think a, a bodily relief, function. I only mention it because the relieving does obviously go through their mind. Oh, I have to do this now. I, but it's, it's one of the rare let, things. Let, 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 but that's not the point. Yes. The point is, and you can also say they sweat too. I mean, again, right. the main that's, missions are they, they have three you. main things: yeah. eat, not to be eaten, and mating. Thank you. And uh, everything else. It doesn't make sense in the context of survival of the fittest. Right. It doesn't, it doesn't um, have a place. Right. So what happens then? You know, riddle me that, Batman. What, what happens when you realize that the whole evolution artifice has been a fraud? Well, an interesting... Will you act, I'm sorry. Will you act like my, my friend, the fourth grade friend? Will you act like the Polish students? Will you act like so many people who are enraged to learn that everything that they've been taught, that they've grown up with, that, that has been part of their identity, is wrong. Well, there's an interesting side note about that, which is if you look at the modern scientist, the modern teacher, the modern global warming um, fantasist, they all share a certain trait, which is they don't have an urge to commit violence except against uh, pacifistic Christians or conservatives. Thus, the day of rage, if you will, that you see on the street for Trump's election or the Women's March or something, won't happen when they find out evolution or global warming is a fraud. In fact, I have an intimate knowledge of, of this through a relative of mine. My wife has a relative who is a uh, insect scientist at some college up in Washington. And my wife actually asked her, what if evolution is a fraud? After my wife and I had the exact conversation you elucidated. Right. She looked at my wife and I was there and I saw it and I laughed. And she says, we can't do that. Everything we do is based on it. Everything would fall apart. We simply cannot let that happen. Right. And my wife is thinking... She's a scientist, and she has the attitude, the agenda, I can't let this happen, rather than following the knowledge where it leads you. Right. They claim to let the facts dictate where what they believe, right? But the, the listener right now, at least the atheist listener or you know, the, the secular um, agnostic or liberal, they listen and they say, aha, I've got you there, Ari and Barak. Uh, what about that priest? who devoted his entire life to this thing called God, this fantasy called Jesus, uh, this notion of some man who rose from the dead and healed lepers and such like that. That's a total fraud. And one day, what, what happens when he realizes that that ain't true, the whole God thing is, is garbage, and in the meantime, he's forsaken all love, he's, uh, or at least uh, a woman, and forsaken having children, and all the stuff that goes with being a, a clergy and devoted all this time to this nonsense, this fiction called the Bible and, and commentaries about the Bible, what a waste when he could have been spending time on science and learning about beauty and learning about having a good time with, with movies, maybe getting high once in a while, having a lot of sex every once in a while, because that's all we're here for on the planet. Won't he experience the same fury that you're talking about, Ari, and you're talking about Barack? And the answer, the answer is, maybe. It, look, if he wants to be yeah. furious, then if he wants to be furious, he can be furious. There are some people out there that reject God at the end of the day. Of course, of course there's going to be. But 
But that's the point is that we understand that that can happen. Your friend, the insectologist or whatever that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the bug scientist. Yeah, the bug scientist. She's already telling you ahead of time that she, she can't let that happen. The priest that I'm talking about wouldn't say that. That's no. what, see, that's what I love about it. Yeah. I love that the priest would say, listen, if, uh, if I were to find out somehow proof positive that there is no God, obviously that's almost impossible. It is impossible to find that there's no God. But if I were to find out or to believe seriously after all the things I can, I've used to believe that there is no God, well, then I would, I would stop believing in God. I would certainly take off this frock and, and get, get on with my life. I would marry somebody and it's, I would feel like it's a waste. And uh, maybe I would try to find some sort of benefit out of all that I had done in the past, I suppose. But hey, I would, and I would say, okay, life changes and you, uh, you learn. You live and learn. And, and, and that's the whole point. You learn from the facts as they, they come to you. And I think that's, that's what you would say, Ari. That's what I would say. And uh, I think that most religious people have a good nagging doubt about the truth. They, they are seeking the truth all the time. They believe. Uh, I, I know that there is a creator, but I believe in the God of, of the Torah. That's, there is a distinction there. But all the same, if you, if you were to tell me, hey, Barack, uh, there may be a creator, but there ain't no... Uh, God of the Bible, this this whole thing we now know by carbon dating me- method, whatever it is, that this, this Bible was a fraud. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, there you go. What are you going to do? <clears throat> and uh, you would live with it, and it would change uh, my worldview in many ways, but I would live with it and deal with it. Um, but for many people, it's uh, it, it, it maybe it would be more devastating. I don't know. I can't speak for them. But I can say for myself, and I think for a lot of religious people, they'd be okay with it. They would go where the science takes them. But you also have a desire not to live in denial yeah. under any circumstances. Yeah. And I think that's the distinction that separates you and the hypothetical priest you're speaking about, me, and in general the, the uh, faithful from these people who pursue these, these pursuits in a way that's, uh, you know— uh, <clears throat> well, they, 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 what they, they do, do not want to ever let this go. What they do, and this is a big difference be, between the religious, uh, at least the priest that we're talking about, the hypothetical priest, and uh, the, the atheist, the scientist, I should say, the scientist atheist, the Stephen Hawking. Let's use that example, okay? Because he's, he is brilliant. Um, and, but the difference between these two is the, the hypothetical priest we're talking about He's willing to entertain everything. He's willing to debate with somebody and say, um, you know, listen, uh, here's why, uh, to, to hear that, here's the evidence that shows that, that uh, the Big Bang didn't happen or that there is no beginning. And th- they can talk it out. And ultimately, he'll believe what he wants to, but he'll listen to it. Stephen Hawking's, by contrast, will say, I don't want to hear anything about the possibility of a creator. That's nonsense. Um, I, I'm just going to focus on what I can hear, see, smell, touch, and all that stuff. That's, that's who I am, Stephen Hawking. So they're ready to exclude information and ignore it altogether. And I think you brought you know, offline a very good example, David Nifong. I think that's his Michael Nifong. Michael Nifong, yeah. The prosecutor in the he Duke He was the prosecutor case. in the Duke Lacrosse case, the rape case, who decided to, to make a name for himself, and <clears throat> he wanted to be reelected as a prosecutor. DA, whatever, and he wanted to have this big win of this 
<clears throat> supposed the lacrosse team that supposedly gang raped this uh, poor black girl who was crazy. This girl was crazy, and she made this allegation, and he wanted to go forward with this, uh, this criminal investigation, almost ruined these boys' lives. Everyone jumped on, on them to say that this was, uh, this, this, this was what happened. Professors from Duke and, and throughout the nations were saying this. And uh, they refused to consider any exculpatory evidence. And even when it was so brazenly clear that there, there was no way these boys could have done this thing, that there, in fact, that there was no rape at all, let alone whether it was the boys who had raped her, right? That's, I mean, first you got to establish that there was a rape, right? And I don't mean to say that laughingly. I just, I do mean to say that, like, if you're going to accuse somebody of rape, you have to establish that there was a rape. Then the who, the who did it is another issue. Um, <clears throat> but it turns out that there was no rape. And, and we know that because the DNA evidence revealed very clearly there's not a shred of DNA from any of those boys. And yet, and yet, and, and by the way, this, this is during an alleged drunken brawl in a fraternity where, where you know, nobody's wearing secret gloves or wearing caps over their heads to avoid uh, hair falling out that might reveal DNA, right? <laughs> so this is a drunken brawl, and there's no DNA left whatsoever. And we're talking about rape. I mean, you know, to be a little bit graphic, you know, there's, uh, let's put it this way, DNA would be left uh, quite uh, substantially in such a situation, right? There are right? exchanges of fluids. <clears throat> right, right. And so, okay, that, that would be case closed, right? So I remember the evidence coming out that there was no DNA uh, matchup whatsoever. And I thought, okay, well, that's, that's uh, good for the boys. Case closed. And my phone keeps on going forward. Like, okay, I, okay, he wants to ignore that very big matzo ball. And it's the same thing here that we're talking about. And unfortunately... The, the, the happy ending was that he gets disbarred. Uh, I think he does even some criminal time as well. You know, God bless this country. You know, I very rarely watch um, reality TV or see somebody um, <clears throat> go through some sort of uh, turmoil. Like, like Lance Armstrong. I didn't really care to watch the Oprah Winfrey thing. and I, I'm not that kind of guy. But when it came to Nifong, I watched his, I guess, I guess it was North Carolina State Bar Proceedings, I watched that with glee. I remember I, I was actually on vacation, and I was glued to the television, and I wanted to see him sweat. I wanted to see him suffer, and I wanted to see the State Bar folks just destroy him. And they did. They did. And uh, anyway, it was a wonderful thing. But the point is that, that you need this, uh, you know, that's the difference between that priest and, and Steve Hawking's. We will go where, where the evidence takes us. Okay, so back to everything that we've been talking about, which is how it, it undermines your entire sense of the world. When, <clears throat> when you, when you, what happens when global warming becomes that big fiction? What happens when evolution becomes that fiction? Because it will be. You know, one of the famous, um, one of the famous uh, former atheists is a guy named Anthony Flew, F-L-E-W. I believe that's how you spell it. Uh, and he was the preeminent British atheist. And he was a scientist, but mostly an atheist. That was his main thing. And he wrote articles. He wrote books. Uh, and then one day, he concluded, you know what? There is a guy. <laughs> he just saw the probabilities. He started thinking a little bit. He was more open-minded all of a sudden, for whatever reason. And now he, he believes, he's a, he calls himself a deist. He didn't become a Christian. 
But it, it, no matter, right? I mean, he, he acknowledges the presence of a creator. He, he says that it just simply has to have happened. And he says it with passion, but the same, the same, he's very reasoned in his tone. He's very measured in his tone. And I, I really respect that. But what opened him up was that he was willing to be open. He, he, he decided that he's going to consider other evidence. And then once that happens, well, you're going to become a believer. And I'm very, very pleased to report that. He, I wonder what it was in his own mind when that came to happen, that, that he began to say, you know, he, he became a, an, a believer, I think, when he was 80. And so that's a long life span of work. Then now you say, gosh, that was, that was really bad. <laughs> that was stupid. That was, I, I premised everything I wrote on a faulty assumption. And I think that, I don't know if he's dead now, but whatever his last years were, he must be looking back and, and be a bit, a, bit, a bit embarrassed. Well, yeah, but uh, true. But in, at least he, he had a chance to discover and change his ways in life. I mean, yeah. any alcoholic will tell you, thank God I had that moment of clarity yeah, and changed my ways. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. From, like, the AA standpoint, they talk about it almost. And in Christianity, there is something called being reborn. Yeah. And it sounds like this Dr. Flu had a bit of a rebirth. Well, sure. I I mean, I I consider my transition away from communism as a second day of birth for myself. My life after that moment is completely different. Yeah, no, it was very glorious. I mean, especially when you come to God, right? Uh, when you come, and, and when you come to God, a bunch of things open up. I think that if you come to God, well, then right away, first of all, evolution has to go out the window, right? Now, global warming may not necessarily go out the window, but it should because you begin to realize, well, the reason why global warming is even a thing is because people think that man is so powerful that it can actually affect the climate when you know better that only God really can, can affect the climate in any serious way, at least. Um, so... That, that's, that's a good point you raise about that. I think you get very excited about these opening possibilities. Even when I was uh, an atheist and I became a believer when I was 21, I believe, you know, I looked back and I thought, gosh, I spent a lot of time, you know, being angry at the world and such. But I think I was much more happy that I did discover God and discovered him relatively early. I didn't see it that way. You know, when you're 21, you think you've, you've spent a lot of time in your life. Right. You, you, you perceive yourself to be mature. You're, you're really not, but you don't see ahead uh, another 50, 60 years of your life, right? You, you think of yourself only of the life that you've actually led. So for a moment, I felt like I've wasted my time. But on the contrary, I realized, no, I'm actually, I'm going to learn from this, and it's great. Now I know how the atheist arguments uh, argues, and I'm going to be able to defrock it, so to speak. And I, 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 I do, I, I, think, I think you're right. I think it's it's a really glorious time when you really have that real epiphany. And I think that everyone, is, and, and Christianity also says this, that you can see the light at, on your deathbed and all is forgiven. Now, whether or not that's wise and whether or not you need to account for your sins and such like that, I, I certainly hope that if you've murdered many people, and then you decide to find Jesus, you know, five minutes before you die and ask for forgiveness, that you're still going to go to hell. And, and honest, I, I, and no, honest I, theology I hope that. Would, not, would make sure that, that that's not what the meaning of that is. I understand. Obviously. I understand. I'm simply saying, though, I, I, I respect the fact that they 
give that possibility to say, look, you can have this epiphany very on, very late on in life. Um, but look, the, the, the Torah, the, I should say the mitzvah, the first mitzvah requires you to know that there's a God. And what that means is not that you will really, 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 really believe in God. It, it means that it requires you to understand that there is a God, that you have to do the, the research, the work to figure this out. The atheist is intellectually lazy about these things. The non-believer, I should say. Um, he just dismisses it and, and says, well, I don't feel like it. Stephen Hawking is lazy. Well, wait, wait, wait hang on. Yeah. That, that's, that's an important aspect here. He is lazy. They think that they're working hard at science, but they're really not. They, they are failing to factor in the, the all-important details. So anyway, I, I do love this topic. I don't want to <clears throat> drill down too much further on that. I just think the shock of, of um, what will happen, I think we, let's put it this way. We are much more resilient to change. If, if, um, if when I was an atheist, come forward. Yeah, yeah. If, if I, when I was an atheist and I became a believer, that was rewarding to me. Uh, when you became a conservative, uh, having been basically a communist in the past, I think that was rewarding to you, and I think that's a good point. Uh, we're very resilient to that. We may even be embracing of that change. I think the reverse, however, is not necessarily true, and that's our point. I think people get really, really angry. And what will you do, my, my global warming enthusiast friends, my evolution-loving friends, when you realize that, especially those who, who engaged in the science of it, who got their PhDs in it, who got grants and wrote articles and were so invested as, as part of their identity. What happens when, when you realize not just that you were wrong, but that you were defrauded, you were fooled? That's the difference. Yeah. You see, with, with God, <clears throat> with atheism, I didn't, I didn't feel like somebody fooled me into the atheism program. Um, I just saw the light and I think maybe you felt you were fooled by the communist program. Well, I was, and I, I felt I saw the light, and I realized a certain, that, that regret you spoke about, that I might have said or done a bunch of foolish things that I'm not <clears throat> proud of. But like you, I was proud that I went through the process and was better equipped to be a better conservative later. I think there, in your distinction arguments, I think an important one to point out is that in the case of of evolution, you're dealing with a scientific theory that may or may not work. And we have our conclusion on that. But it's a scientific theory. And for right or wrong, there is a process people have gone through for the last 150 years in dealing with that theory to suss out the truth of it. So people who still cling to it are at least have the, the, the structural piece that it's a legitimate scientific theory. Might be wrong, but at least there's a existing science. With global warming, it's a flat-out hoax. Yes. So the people who believe in that have much less structural credibility for clinging to it. Now, what both have, and this is where I think we're kind of getting to, <clears throat> you write very persuasively in your upcoming book, Atheism Kills, that those who are in touch with God do not live a life of fear. It doesn't mean... Things don't scare us, obviously. If my child runs into the street and almost gets hit by a car, 
I will be scared. That's not. It's not like I can go. Oh, God's in my heart. I'm not scared at all. That would right. be. That would be crazy. Well, it's, it's, it's right? Your love of life, it, you know, trumps any fear. Right. But I. Right. But I don't live in fear as a as a prevailing right. umbrella. It doesn't. Of fear. It doesn't animate you. And as a result, I have no fear about being wrong. Right. I want to be right. I want to believe the right things. I want the knowledge I have in my my you know limited little brain to be as correct as it can be but i don't have a fear of saying the wrong thing until i acquire the right knowledge and when i acquire the right knowledge i'm not going to be in fear of humiliation about saying something numbskullish in the past right but our friends on the left who cling to these theories and global warming is the one that I really think doesn't have the credibility, like as I said a moment ago, because it isn't a theory. It's a hoax. But they have an absolute fear of having it exposed as a hoax, which tells me they know it's a hoax. Oh, yeah. And someone like Hawking, laziness is like a symptom of the disease of fear. And the disease of fear is, of course, a symptom of his atheism. So more than anything, the poor dude is terrified that. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, so you know, dovetailing from what you just said, because um, I, I and I like what you just said, the um, they will react in such a vociferous way, you know, in a really wild way. If you don't agree with them, right at the end of the day, so you're a moron if you don't believe that uh, there's a multiverse and, and that there is a god for that matter. You're a moron if you don't believe in, in global warming, and uh, you're a moron and. If you don't believe in pure evolution, I mean, literally, I've, I've heard people, they're, they're so surprised and they say, Brock, you seem like such a bright guy because they've, they've heard me um, in court and otherwise and arguing and, and you know, I'm, I'm running this law firm and intellectually analyzing all these different cases. Yeah, and you're yet, doing some things right there. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> and then, and then, like, I remember this one attorney, a very liberal attorney, of course. Um, you know, I had a nice relationship with the receptionist. She was a uh, conservative, so it automatically was a nice relationship. And she talked to, you know, people. She was very bright. And this guy, Peter, his name is, I remember, he says, you know, it, this can't be true. Barack, you seem like such a bright guy. Uh, you know, Stephanie here tells me that, that you don't uh, believe in evolution. It, that can't be true, right? And he said it so absurdly, like you're a moron. I mean, you've, and I said, and you know what? And the way you have to, ta- to approach that, by the way, is to be very, very strong about it. And I said, you betcha I don't believe in pure evolution. It's a bunch of crock. And I'm surprised, Peter, that you, so smart as you are, would even wonder that that, that, that would be the case for me. I, I'd be insulted, frankly, if you think that I think that every happened, everything happened randomly. And it, that was an interesting debate after that. right? So that, that kept on going for a while. Uh, the point is that they want to. It's not not demonizing you. They want to make you look like a like a, a buffoon, a fraud. Not even a fraud. A buffoon, an idiot, for believing anything that's contrary to the liberal orthodoxy, right? And, and in in a sense, because we always make comparisons with the radical Islam, right? And it's really the same thing. You're you're an infidel if you don't believe in global warming. You're an infidel if you don't understand that the issue of uh, evolution is clear. 
you're an infidel, even on, on the standard liberal policies, um, Obamacare or any socialized medicine. Surely you must agree that the government should assume the responsibility of health care, don't you? To right. some, you know, also, and you can you can have some limited private things for you guys to play with, you you, you capitalist fools. Uh, we we understand that. If you want that, we'll give that to you. No, no, no. You don't understand, my friends. It should be capitalism, and you morons on the socialist left, you're the ones that we're we're letting you play a little bit in the playground. Yeah. Also, in in the upcoming book, Atheism Kills by Barack Lurie, you point out when you're you're talking about the behavior of the communists in the different countries, and their utter relentless quest to stamp out religion had a religious fervor to it. Oh, yeah. And it was amazing what religious extremists, like the radical Islamist, these non-religious atheists were. Yeah. And you can see it is a cult. Yeah. I wrote that. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that I wrote that. Thank you for saying yeah. that. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not asking you to plug these things, but but they are relevant. I'm only plugging it because it it's on, it's it on topic. Fits, yeah. yeah, it's what. No, they're, they're far more religious than we are, and uh, and and the sad thing about it is that they don't acknowledge it. At least you know the Orthodox Jew, the priest that we talked about, they know that they're religious. They know that they're observant. Right. Right. They, they laugh if you talk with them. They laugh about how absurd that hat and coat looks in Los Angeles yeah. on a day when it's ninety six degrees on La Brea. Right. They they know, but it's their faith. That's what they do. They, yeah. And and if you were to ask them, are you observant? They would say, yeah, very much so. We really, you know, we're very fervent believers in God. Okay. And even the radical Muslim, you know, he's going to say. You know, Allah is great and Muhammad is wonderful and, yeah, I'm, I'm a true believer. I mean, you have to give that to them. But these guys, these guys are so much more religious than any of the ones that we just mentioned. And the, the audacity of them to think that they're somehow moderates and take it easy and everything else. No, their, their orthodoxy is far greater. And what, how can I say that? Because they are so effing certain that they are right. Okay, the Orthodox Jew, the priest, and, and even the radical Muslim, they, they, you can give them, you know, they believe very strongly, but they acknowledge the possibility that they could be wrong. Well, and, and it's, Every it, single one of them, well, even the radical Muslim. Well, what's so important about what you just said is there's proof in their behavior of it. What's the proof? Their constant study. Right. Any radical or any radical Muslim who keeps going to mosque to hear the the preaching or to hear the recitation of the hadiths and the sarahs is receiving confirmation right. of his belief. Yeah. The rabbi who's studying Torah and studying, you know, the, the Talmud is looking for confirmation, right. looking for evidence. A P.S. By the way, and this is only P.S. The the priests who were pursuing science, there, and George Lemaitre, he right. was the one who discovered uh, the Big Bang, uh, and, and they mocked him, by the way, for using, yeah. and, and they called it the Big Bang as a way to mock him, right? But putting that aside, uh, he was pursuing science as a way to confirm his faith. Christianity and Judaism both sought out science as a means by which to pursue their faith. That's the P.S. Okay, so that's right. Now, when it comes to these guys, and another difference, because I love, I love seeing the differences, the Orthodox Jew, the radical Muslim that you just talked about, and, of course, uh, George Lemaitre or any priest, for that matter, they study, 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 study. They know their books by heart. They're like uh, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, right? They, they know, you know, 2 colon 16 from Isaiah and then to quote what that line says. And they know the interpretations of what that particular phrase is and, and such, the verse. 
And and you got to respect that, right? I mean, they know their They've stuff. They've done the yeah, work, right? I mean, <laughs> like like you know all the scores of every Super Bowl since it began, and not only that, but you also know the halftime scores and who was playing, and right? You've done the work. That's the point. I've done my you, work, and yes. and it's and it's fun to hear. It may not be relevant to me or anyone, but it's interesting because. By golly, you've studied it. Yeah, you okay. you can conclude when I get into that space, right. the, the Super Bowl and NFL space. You say this guy put in a lot of study and watched a lot of TV. Right. Oh, it's so true. <laughs> right? It's so true. It's so funny. And but but you did the work. Yes. Right. Okay. So and, and likewise, I have to you know keep up on the law, and hopefully I do. I have to study. I can't just go into court and say, well, I think they're wrong, Your Honor. Well. You know, why, Mr. Lurie? Well, I have, to sh- I have to show them case law. I have to show them the statutes and, and, and use logic and reason and also bring in a whole bunch of evidence. And then hopefully I prove my case. Um, but when it comes to these guys, the atheists, the evolutionists, the global warming enthusiasts, very, very few have actually studied anything. Okay, you ask somebody who, like this guy Peter I was telling you about who believed in pure evolution, there's no way I can tell you that that he knows anything about evolution. He's he a know. lawyer. He never spent time in a lab. Right, right. Well, <laughs> no, but no, but you could research. You could read books on it, right? Yeah. So hang on. He 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 doesn't he doesn't know anything about the history of evolution, with the different perspectives between what Darwin saw, um, in terms of humans and all that stuff. His his thesis was just a, a theory, first of all. And then it became some sort of religion at some point for some people. It was really very interesting. Um, and you have uh, this, this notion that keeps on resonating for so many people. Um, likewise with, um, so they don't know. They, they don't know, for example, there's not a single fossil record that, that uh, shows a match between, uh, sorry, the, the missing link issue, right? Yeah, and not just between humans and apes, but in any species ever. Ever. Yes. And, and, and they don't yes. know, and they don't know, um, they don't know about all the frauds that were involved, like Picking Man, Lucy, all those guys that you heard about when you were in elementary school, all of them are frauds, right? Some, some guy fabricated something in order to make it look like there's a, a link. But what you didn't know is that they were revealed as frauds much later after you graduated from high school. So you've, no one told you that, right? Sometimes if CNN you know, went on and said, well, it turns out that, that Lucy, the, the ape man or whatever, uh, was a fraud. Okay, it didn't happen. So they don't. He doesn't know about that. He doesn't know about. He doesn't understand the logic of of evolution and how it fails in terms of uh, what is it called um, irreducible complexity. He yeah, and he wouldn't know what that phrase even means. So, so it's just something that somebody told him. Very smart people told me that this this evolution is real. Therefore, I believe it. That and that's the same thing with global warming. Very few people actually know anything about global warming. They they just they were told to do so, and not only that, but they're also told, with great sincerity and very serious, you know, eyebrows furled, that uh, there is uh, we have to do something about this. We have to reduce our electric consumption. We have to yeah. reduce our car consumption, and that's all they know. Yeah, they're told basically three things. There's a crisis. You have to do something about it, and if you are seen doing something about it, i.e., virtue signaling, you will be treated with respect and love. Right. That's and right. That's, that's right. enough for most people. That's right. So it begs the question, who's the true believer? 
right? I, and I, I put believer yeah. in air quotes. I would actually ask a slightly different question. He, did, the, he, didn't, he didn't wait yeah. for that dramatic pause, right? That ask was a again. great dramatic Say pause. Say it again. <laughs> Say it again. All right, here we go. Who is the true believer? And I put that in air quotes. And furthermore <laughs> to that, was that enough of a pause? Yes, I okay. think so. I, um, I think, I think we've listened to the dramatic pause. I think you'll love this because I, I hope I'm <laughs> serving up a fat one over the plate for you. It not only reve does, it reveals who the true believer is or the true fanatic or the true extremist, it reveals who the true moron and the true small town hick is. Isn't it ironic that the small town hicks, the ignoramus, backward fools, live in West Los Angeles and in the Upper West Side of New York. Yeah. And true. those those poor, unstylish, you know, <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, flyover country, fly over country yeah. folks are the ones who are much more right about everything. Yeah, isn't it funny? Yeah, one people, well, some people might call that ironic. I don't know. <laughs> you and me, for example. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah, it's true. They tend to be right about, uh, you know, all the important issues of the day. And I, and I, I mean the big the, the the big picture sort of right. ideas. Right. Where are we from? What are we here for? What is, right. what is our purpose to do yeah. good, fight Tur evil? Turns out that they were right that yeah. there is a beginning of the universe. Turns out that they were right that um, eugenics bad idea. Right. That that progressivism bad idea. Right. That communism bad idea. I mean it, it goes on. Right. It, it it turns out that they were wrong about. Um, uh, stem cells. Remember that? Yep. Ah, it's, these are just kind of coming out. Uh, every single time, it turns out that the morons, again, in air quotes, were right. While all the intellectuals, again, in air quotes, who had all their wonderful PhDs and masters and BAs and thought very highly of themselves, were all wrong. Yeah, and these are the same people, these morons with their PhDs, were the people telling us how wonderful Hugo Chavez was. How wonderful Maduro was. How Venezuela is a shining example for the socialist dream. Look at today. Right. I don't know if you guys have seen the news That's out right. there. Well, George Pictures. Bernard Shaw and, and the Ukraine, right? right? Uh, the, the Ukraine famine, rather. The Holodor, yes. Yeah, it, it just, uh, I mean, it's, it's breathtaking how, how, how consistently wrongs, wrong the, the intellectuals were, the so-called intellectuals. And, and the morons were right all this time. And again, all, everything in air quotes. There is wisdom and believing in God, and, and great joy in believing in God. This is what we, we want to push today. We want to, two things. One is to understand how painful it would be to believe and subscribe to something like evolution and global warming with the fervor that these intellectuals uh, have, and how devastating it will be when they discover that they're wrong. It will be announced whether you discover it on your own or not, and God willing, you discover it on your own, you might have some sort of redemption. But at some point, global warming, it'll be one of those, uh, I remember the Time magazine, they had an article of whatever happened to, right? And it was different things. And one of was hula hoops and, you know. Pet rocks. And yeah, pet rocks. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, what do you call them? The cars with the fins, right? The tail fins. For, yeah, the Cadillacs. Yeah. yeah. And one of the items was whatever happened to existentialism, <laughs> which was a philosophy of the 50s, right? And it just kind of petered out, and no one's, a, you know, an existentialist. But everyone was going around saying, I'm an existentialist, right? And like, uh, okay, feel sorry for you if you are, whatever that means, existentialist. I, I know what it means, yeah. of course. But it's, it's, it's such a useless uh, concept. 
it, the point is not to drill down to existentialism. The point is to talk about how this will be the same thing. Whatever happened to global warming? Somebody will say that one day. Remember that? Remember back in the, the early 2000s? I, you know, everyone was hot to trot about, and we were all going to die under you know, 20 feet of water, and there's this guy named Al Gore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Whatever happened to him? Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's That's so what's going to happen. It's so funny you mention that because, like, this week or something, Al Gore's, um, after everything he predicted never was right and is totally wrong, right. he's coming out with his sequel for more hysteria, right? right? Yeah, to say this, that he was right all this, along. Yeah, this, this very week, right? And if there was ever a whatever happened to that idiot, Al Gore... That's what it should be. He should be the subject of one of those whatever happened tos. Right. Do you remember that fool Al Gore, oh. that guy who talked to us as if we were stupid, but he's the one who sounded unbelievably stupid, both in how he talked and the stuff he says. Whatever happened to him? Well, apparently he had a second coming. You know, it's a, the first coming was the first movie, right? Right. Now this is the second coming. Uh, it, it, he's he's a laughing stock, and right, this the fact this that, movie won't won't do well at all. Yeah, and it's going to be a disaster uh, for him, and and we'll all be laughing at the end of the day at global warming, at evolution. We'll say, look, at at some point you, you've got to give it up, and look, it it, it has it had its run. Communism had its run too. Fascism has it had its run. And now those are of course very destructive, but they're all related, aren't they? Anyway, evolution kind of led to the notion of the survival of the fittest, which of course led to fascism and communism to a lesser extent. And then eugenics was was very con- consistent with that. Global warming also leads to this notion of, of uh, complete command control economies, devastating, very bad for everyone involved. And ultimately, it'll, it'll lead to dictatorial rule because if it's considered so important, then, well, then we must control everyone to make sure that this devastating 20 feet of water never happens in the future. And then when it, when it doesn't show up, of course, we get to say, well, you see, because we stopped it. And and they'll they'll feel like they saved the day and they they're not getting the credit for it. That's the amazing thing that that'll happen. And the other thing we want to talk about, you know, that we're concluding here as we wrap up is that to really beg the question, who is the real believer, right? I I think we've said it so well today. It's not it's not us. We're the ones seeking answers every time we. We bury our noses into the Torah or to the Bible or even the Quran. Don't you mean really sick- fast who is the real fanatic? Yeah, that's fair enough. But no, I'm talking about true believer. Uh, I understand what you're saying about fanatic, but I'm going a different place. The true believer, meaning that they just believe without thinking. That's, that's not us, my friend. We're analyzing. The more we learn about Torah, the more uh, wisdom we're gaining. They, they think that the Torah is just simply saying... God, we really love you. Oh, God, you're the best. Ah, wow. (laughs) Ain't God awesome? They they think we're just saying that over and over again, right? (laughs) But no, it's, it's it's, it's asking us to explore the wisdom of the world. And it does talk about the universe. It does talk about science. And you're gaining knowledge and wisdom in the process. And that that's that's the ultimate act of of faith, but the ultimate act of reaching out to God. You actually learn. Whereas when you abandon God, you will not learn anything. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week. 